CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm Alexandra Fernandez. Today in our virtual studio with me, I have Dr. John Small, who is joining me to discuss the UN's recent release of their report about the climate crisis. Um, but first, let's welcome um, Dr. Small to CFRC. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Happy to be here. Great. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, so before we get into it, would you mind just introducing yourself for us, please, and just telling us more about your teachings at Queen's University? Yeah, sure. Well, my name is John Small, and I'm uh, uh, the title is a Distinguished University Professor, but I also hold the Canada Research Chair in Environmental Change. And I do that in the Department of Biology, but I'm also cross-appointed with the School of Environmental Studies. And uh, I co-direct the Pearl Lab, which is the Paleoecological Environmental Assessment Research Lab at Queen's, which is about 35 people who study long-term environmental change using lake sediments. So most of our work is dealing with the environment and how uh, contrasting the effects of human impacts versus natural causes to environmental change. Awesome, that sounds really great. Um, so earlier this week on August 9th, the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released a report that goes over the climate crisis, what negative impacts are currently in place and what we can also do moving forward. Can you give us a bit of a brief breakdown of this report or at least highlight some of the yeah. interesting <laughs> finds in it? Not necessarily, yeah, I know it's yeah, a big it's, one. It's, but... it's, a, it's a big one, they're all big. So I mean, uh, basically there have been a series of IPC reports going back some years now. Uh, I think the key, the key finding, the key theme I have, let me put it that way, is each year the reports get worse and worse. And this is how science works. Scientists are actually very cautious, conservative people. They are very careful to make conclusions. And each time we've gotten an IPCC report, it got worse and worse of the, of, of the impacts and also the reliability of the science. And the science now is, is very, very reliable. It's, 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 you know, if you believe smoking is bad for your lungs, the data on climate change is stronger. So I think it's really, uh, it's really, and we, you know, many of us have known that for a long time. Uh, and I think this one just hits it right home. It says everything is happening. Everything is worse than we thought. Everything is happening faster than we thought. Mm -hmm. We have less time to deal with it. So it's, it's alarm bells ringing left, right, and center. They've already been ringing alarm bells for over a decade. I, I would, but now it's, you know, let's, it's, it's now or never kind of scenarios happening. Uh, the, we are going to be, we are being affected already. We're going to be affected. There's nothing we can do. We've already wasted enough. We've listened to non-science for long enough. So we're going to pay consequences for not listening to science, but it could be even a lot more worse, a lot worse than that if we don't deal with it right away. And so mm -hmm. all the usual suspects of climate change are there. It's just, everything's worse. It seems, you know, uh, you know, uh, sea level rise, uh, all, you know, everything from forest fires, to infrastructure and so forth. Uh, and Canada, especially being a northern country, is especially affected. So uh, it's uh, it just goes on and on um, into those those aspects. So it's just a uh, uh, it's it's a bit of what was there before, but with a lot more reliability and a mm -hmm. lot worse and a lot worse, I guess I would say. Okay. Um, and you know the report states that humans are the primary cause of climate change. And can you explain in what ways this is true? And does it refer to humans as in us as individuals and like our households, or is it targeting even bigger um, groups well, like it's, corporations? Yeah, everything comes from individuals, but uh, so uh, basically the, the the problem is greenhouse gases, and that's mainly mm -hmm. carbon carbon dioxide, but it's also methane, CH four, and other gases. But uh, but uh, we are pumping out too many greenhouse gases. Uh, they've right. been in the ground and things like coal and fossil fuels 
took millions and millions of years for that to be accumulating in the ground and we're burning it, you know, what took millions of years burning it in a year. Uh, and so we're increasing the concentration of greenhouse gases, which is basically not allowing, in a very simplistic term, not allowing uh, enough of the heat to escape. I'm simplifying things here. And so the earth is getting warmer and warmer. And it's, it's even worse than that. Um, and that's, but, you know, the understanding of the greenhouse gas goes to the 1800s. It's not, right. this, is, this is not new. It can be shown in the lab. This is no, well, it's a theory. No, no, you can show this repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we now know, you know, humans have been greatly increasing the amount of greenhouse gases. My, you know, we have data that we use, like paleoenvironmental data, people like icebergs. We know it's human caused. We know those greenhouse gases are coming from coal and you know other fossil fuels. Um, so we know that. Uh, what's what, what you know that science has been known for for a long time. Uh, the effects is what have been discussed, and I think we're just learning more and more. The effects are very bad and happening much faster. So, but, but so it does come down to individuals. Each one of us has a carbon footprint, as we say. Right. Uh, but it, it's people feel billions of people on this planet. What can one person do? Well, that's that's how everything starts. One person, each right, individual exactly, starts yeah. doing something. If every individual cut their greenhouse gases by thirty percent, the global greenhouse gases would be cut by thirty percent. So, but so it 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 is a, something that individuals can do. It's something that obviously communities, provinces, states, countries, and it's a global problem. Uh, that raises the issue of why it is a complex issue because certain people use as an excuse if everyone else is not doing it, I'm not doing it. Right. Yeah. And of course, that's how you know. That's how you never solve a problem. Now, I always laugh when politicians say things like that. I mean, I'm not sure when people go to the war, uh, do they get all uh, monetary policy? Do you have to? Well, you have to have every country agreeing on this. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, that happens. Just look at Brexit. Uh, you know, uh, so that's just an excuse. Uh, you know. And so the leadership has to come from somewhere and the leadership should be coming from the people who caused the problem. And the, the main people who caused the problem was mainly industrialized West doing it over, you know, over decades. Uh, and even if not everyone's in the boat, uh, you know, we have to show some leadership and Canada being a G, G7 country, uh, G6, G7 country, depending how we count them now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we, we could, we certainly should be one that that's showing some of that leadership. And this this excuse has gone on forever that if not everyone's in it, we're not going to be in it. And you know, I use the analogy. I'm a I'm a lake biologist. I work on lakes. I go, you know, if I'm in a boat and it's taking on water, I'm not going to wait till everyone's bailing water. I'm going to start bailing. You know, right? Yeah. You know, so so but so so and you know you know people can do everything on on an individual level, cutting our greenhouse gases, everything from you know how how hot we heat our house in winter, how cool we cool it down in summer. To, uh, do we need to drive a, a ton of steel to go and get a liter of milk, you know, uh, and do we, uh, and, you know, so it's our individual actions. Uh, we have power over our wallet, how we spend our money. Uh, we, if we start spending our money in companies that are taking greenhouse gases seriously, that you know, I can assure you companies will very quickly start taking greenhouse gases seriously. And we're in a democracy. We have a vote. Uh, start, <laughs> this is on the headlines today, but, uh, you know, when you vote, think about what the policy is for greenhouse gases. Right. So, yeah. so we do have power. It's, just, it's, just, it's a poor excuse. We have no power. We have power as individuals. And we can, for, being in a democracy, we can force our, you know, municipal, provincial, federal, and global situations in the United Nations and elsewhere to show that we see this as a priority. If, we, if you tell your politicians this is a priority and you hammer it home, they will take it as a priority or they won't get reelected. 
mm-hmm. that's how a democracy works. So mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, I couldn't agree with, more with that. That we definitely have individual change um, or individual power to create change and stuff. And you make a good point. I really liked your um, your little comment about um, you know if with one person, if everyone reduced. Yeah, your greenhouse gas emissions globally yeah. you would do the same yeah Indivi- we cause the problem individually <laughs> we can remove the you know i mean you know it wasn't you know it wasn't a, a government that made the problem it was each one of us you know right and, and our you know parents and grandparents who made the problem but now we're passing it on to our grandchildren um, right and they're, they're already getting the problem it's how bad a problem we're leaving them, and that's up to us right definitely yeah Um, So I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier just now, but, you know, there's a lot of talk, especially recently, and I've seen it tons on social media, that it's really large corporations that are big influencers on climate change um, negatively, and they're the ones that need to take steps in reducing their carbon footprint. Can you speak a little bit more to this and how exactly companies would be able? Yeah, I mean, there's different, uh, there's, well, yeah. you know, a quick way is make the government force them to do it. <laughs> you know, this this idea of voluntary, it's never worked. I mean, it's its nothing but a stalling campaign. I cut my teeth on acid rain. This is before you were born. But when I was first a professor, acid rain was the big issue. Mm-hmm. And we had the same arguments there. Oh, we're going to have voluntary cuts to sulfur. It never works. I mean, it never works. Uh, and even have words for this. They call it aspirational targets, aspirational targets. It's, it's what we hope we might have in 10 years, but we have absolutely no path to get there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this voluntary stuff is for the birds. It's not going to work. You're going to need monitors. You're going to need government saying you have to cut by 30%. And frankly, if you can't cut it, well, then we, there's new industries coming. This is, this is mythology out there that we need this. There, you know, there, these old industries are subsidized by the government. We have new industries, green industries coming uh, that can f- make green, uh, that, you know, make much, much more environmental uh, decision making. And that's the future. Um, and, you know, we, we have to stop propping up the ones that just say, well, we're going to try or it's not possible. Uh, and we start propping up the ones that are actually going to do it. And we have no choice. This is not a, I, this is, or this is what I think. It's, it's, it's clear now. We have no choice. We've listened long enough, we've wasted enough time. This is what the IPCC report says. We've wasted tremendous tremendous opportunities. The longer we go, the fewer options we have. We need all the options we can get, you know? So, so, um, I mean, there are ways industries can cut greenhouse gas. It's gonna cost some money. That's what you gotta do. The problem is, the reason it's gonna cost money because they've gotten away with so much. The sphere is an open sewer. That's why, you know, it's going to cost because you've never paid for the cost of the pollution. It's like I work on water pollution. If people, you know, people, well, it's going to cost us money to clean up our waste. Well, yeah, but you've been getting away with it for so long. Yes, people, you know, we have to, we have to pay taxes to have uh, sewage treatment plants. Before we didn't, we dumped it right into the St. Lawrence, dumped it right into Lake Ontario. Yes, that sewage treatment plant costs taxpayers or municipal payers money. Yes, it costs us more. But now we have a lake that has fish in it. You know? I mean, so I mean, you know, it's the it's a few people making a lot of money, uh, and and we're paying the price for them not for not paying it. And and so I mean, it, we have no choice. This is not like some wishy wash. There's no longer any choice. And, and frankly, you know, wishful thinking is not a political strategy, and that's what we often get wishful thinking from many mm-hmm. governments. Uh, well, you know, we're planning. Maybe I have a 
whatever ever goes always past the next four years. <laughs> it's never in their mandate year. So, uh, but I think you know I think governments are getting you know certain governments. I'm not all of them for sure, but certain governments are uh, grasping the severity of the situation. Mm-hmm. That's and uh, uh, you know they're they're at least saying the right things. <laughs> so before they weren't even saying the right things. Now they're saying the right things. Yeah. Uh, you know, does that g- come into action? Well, that's going to be uh, that's in a democracy. That's going to be up to us. You know, we if we got an election coming up, you know, you think pretty carefully and think about what their past records have been, uh, and and uh, you know, uh, do you have a viable strategy to deal with greenhouse gases, or are you just going to you know put different words out there all over the place and talk about aspirational targets and our goals are you know no we need things with teeth we need people monitoring what the greenhouse gases are and if you can't meet it we got to be training programs i mean i know this is there's a social cost to all this but what's the social cost of not doing something people keep asking me what's the cost of doing something it's the wrong question what's the cost of not doing something it's ten hundred times more that's the question that we should always be asking what's the cost of not doing something uh, and that's a much, 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 much higher cost. Right. Yeah, that's a really great point. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, and, um, you know, in the report, they were also released um, information that the global temperature is 1.1 degrees Celsius warmer than what it was um, between 1850 and 1900. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is apparently a large increase compared to what has previously been recorded. But, you know, to someone who's obviously not as well versed with um mm-hmm environmentalism as much as you know scientists and whatnot it doesn't sound like that much of a larger no. increase so can yeah. you tell us how one yeah. degree has yeah. such an it's, impact it's one degree warmer today than yesterday and i can't even tell you know but but on, a, on an average scale it's these are tremendous changes uh and because we've had all of society i work on on environmental history using lake sediments we go back thousands of years and right you know, human society developed during a remarkably stable period of climate, we've been quite lucky. It's not—it's not the norm if you go back farther in time, and it's, and we're saying that's a global average of one point one. I mean, if you go to the Canadian Arctic, it's much higher, three degrees, depending where you are. These are really big changes. So, things that are happening is what were the, for example, the ice caps, which is the what we call land-based ice. We're not, we can talk about sea ice too, but I'm starting with just land-based ice, which is a big problem. Things like on Greenland, some of the Arctic islands, Antarctica. So these are the you know, three kilometers of ice sitting on top of Greenland is melting. If that's melting, that's going to raise sea levels. Just use one example. Sea levels two different ways. One is there's fresh water coming in, raising the sea level because it used to be ice and now it's in the ocean. Second, as the ocean is warmer because the air is warmer, it actually expands. And so right. what we have is have sea level rise. And almost all our biggest cities are on, near the sea is because they're ports and they're, you know, things that's where they develop. Many of these uh, are, are going to have remarkable problems uh, in the future. Some of them are just going to get flooded. And this is especially true of the Pacific Islands, which are small island nations that just might disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and other areas uh, is uh, just extra flooding coming in. Uh, you know, parts of Florida will be underwater. And then when you do get, for example, what we call extreme events like a hurricane, or, which is also severe, severe extreme events are going to be increased with warming they're going to go in farther inland, cause even more damage. So right. this is one, one, one of maybe 20 I can put off the top of my head of how, how this affects us. So yeah, 1.1 1, 1 degree and going up to 1.5 is, is a big, big 
change in the climate world. I grasp that because, well, it's minus 30 in winter sometimes, it's plus 30 in summer. What's another degree? It's, it's a big change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we already see what's happened with that 1.1. Just look at the forest fires. I'm not saying every forest fire is due to climate warming. I, you know, We work on history of forest fires. We have a pretty good grasp on this. Charcoal in the sediments, we can do that. But the likelihood of getting these massive forest fires is increasing and decreasing. And that's what's happening with greenhouse gases. Right. I use the analogy of, of uh, or you can use the analogy of Russian roulette, you know, where you put, uh, you put one, one shell in a revolver, spin it. You know, yeah. Do a, well, with greenhouse gases, we put two, two bullets in the, in the revolver <laughs> or, you know, or loaded dice. You know, they're not going to go to the same number every time. But if you load the dice a bit, we're loading the dice to disaster. And every time it goes higher and higher, another, another half a degree. Now we've got three bullets in the, in the revolver. Mm. So, I mean, that's what we're doing. We're increasing the likelihood of these terrible events. I see, yeah. There's a social justice issue here as well uh, in that many of the poorest countries in the world who didn't contribute hardly anything to greenhouse gases are going to be the most affected mm-hmm. by, uh, by the effects of, of, of greenhouse warming. I mean, Canada is a highly developed country. We're going to have suffering, but you know, we'll have the finances and the technology uh, right. and the infrastructure to deal with it better than some of these poorer countries who never... Uh, never, never really contributed to the problem, but again, they're going to be the most affected by it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And there is also a lot of talk nowadays too about like environmental racism and like yeah. how the climate crisis um, is a race problem because yeah, like yeah. with marginalized communities, they're not contributing. But like you said, yeah, yeah. being affected uh, even within Canada, I think we see this like with the heat waves. Uh, you know, people who have uh, comfortable homes and can turn on an air conditioner are are dying far less <laughs> from heat than uh, homeless people or people in uh, poor uh, apartment housing in the inner cities. So there's, uh, you know, uh, marginal, other marginalized groups, indigenous groups. I mean, these are all, uh, you know, I work a lot in the Arctic, uh, you know, uh, ice, ice is a key component of the Inuit way of life. It's, a, it's their highway, you know, if the ice is not there, uh, there's almost no roads in the in the Arctic. Right. So, uh, you know, hunting, uh, you know, uh, if you don't have the ice, you don't have a platform to go hunting. Uh, so it, it, it's it, it, there is a social structure even within Canada, let alone a global structure around the world. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything else that you would like to add or say before we end off? No, I think that's, uh, you know, I mean, we've had these alarm alarms going off for some time and we've been pressing the snooze button. <laughs> And I think this last report says you can't press the snooze button anymore. You got to deal with it. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today at our virtual studio to discuss the UN's report and giving us also some great tips on how we can reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. Oh, thank you very much. Of course. Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.